Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're in the book of Daniel. We're talking about being unshakable, handling whatever life throws at you. Either you're going through something now, you've come out of something, or you're about to go through something. But life is not meant to just be easy. Now, I know some people pray for that. Lord, may my life be easy. I'm going to give you an illustration real quick. One word, the disciples, disciples. How easy was it for them? They left everything. They followed after Jesus. How easy was it for them? Peter walking on water. How easy was it for them? After Christ uh, dies on the cross and rises from the dead, they're afraid for their lives. Think about following Jesus. So if you've signed up to follow Jesus because you think life is going to be easy, I want to help you. It's not. I had somebody tell me that once I came to Christ, that's when all my problems started. Before that, I just, excuse my Latin, before that, I just lived like hell and I didn't care. And all of a sudden, I invited Jesus to be the Savior of my life and the Holy Spirit to fill me. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? I started getting convicted. A week before, I wasn't convicted of anything. It's my life. I'll do what I want. And now I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory, and he's messing with my calendar. He's messing with my thoughts. He's messing with my feelings. He's messing with my finances. I don't like it. I said, welcome to Christianity. It's where we surrender our lives to him in everything. And even in the seasons where it seems like the storms are against us, we can be unshakable. Today, we're going to talk about a test that might seem odd, but it's the test of success. Now, before God blesses you, he tests you. Before success comes the stress. God wants to see what you can handle, what you can bear. And we're going to talk about that, but I want to ask you a question. How many of you know people who've had success in their life and it ruined them? Yeah, yeah. We hear stories all the time about people who win the lottery. Millions of dollars, and now they're broke and penniless. Come on. Or we hear stories about somebody who got promoted. They got a title. They got an office with a window. (laughs) They got a new computer. The company bought them a car. The company gave them a perk, whatever. And all of a sudden, it goes to their head. We're the only animal. You pat our back and our head swells. The only one. Where do we get some of this? Well, look at Luke chapter 16 real quick before we go to Daniel. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with the very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? We've seen it with rock bands. We've seen it with child stars. We've seen it with business leaders, with athletes, with church leaders. Back in 2009, Sports Illustrated wrote an entire article about 60% of those who've left the NBA, the National Basketball Association. 
it said that 60% of them were broke within five years of retirement. Now, some of them had made literally tens or hundreds of millions, with an M, millions of dollars. And now, some five years later, they are penniless. And fans were asking in this article questions. Hey, that was in 2009. And you know what? Much not, has not changed in the past 10 years. Somehow, they weren't faithful with what little they had, and all of a sudden, their skills and abilities got them to sign million-dollar contracts, and they're left penniless. Success is as much a test in your life as suffering is. See, when you're suffering, you go straight to God. But when you're successful, you forget God. When you're suffering, you go straight to God. But when you're doing well, oh, I got it, Lord. I'll take it from here. Come on. It's kind of like riding a bike for the first time. You know, if you can remember back that, that long and, and somebody put their finger under your seat and all of a sudden you're, you're riding and you're cruising and then you realize they've let you go and you might wobble a little bit and all of a sudden you say, hey, I got this. Dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, I got, I got, I got this. I, and you hit the wall because you're not paying attention because you say you got this. I got this. Proverbs 27, 21. How about this? Let's read it. A hot furnace test. Come on, silver and gold, but... Oh, you're so awesome. You're so wonderful. You're so great. The praise they receive, and pretty soon what? Big head. They can't get through the door anymore. Especially they can't get through the servant entrance. So, over 2,500 years ago, Nebuchadnezzar most successful man on planet earth at the time. When he was a young general in his father's army, every time he went to battle, they won. Every strategy, they won. Every time he tried to invest some of his father's money, it grew. Every time he tried to seize someone's property, it was seized. And then when his dad dies, he takes over the throne. He's very successful. He's the most feared man on the planet. He builds um, this thing called the Hanging Garden of Babylon. You can write it in your notes and look, up, uh, look it up online. It was at that time the seventh wonder of the world, similar to what the Egyptians did with the pyramids. He builds this great structure with garden plants everywhere just to say, look, honey, look what I built you. It's not like you know, buying her earrings. He builds this whole monstrosity that's incredible. Everything he touches turns to gold, but one problem, one problem he had, his ego got too big. His pride became too big. Remember, we saw it two weeks ago when the heat is on, that he builds this 90-foot statue of himself. He creates this orchestra, and he says, every time the music plays, you bow down and worship me, and if you don't, we'll kill you. Wow. That's pretty crazy. You're going about your day. You're going to the marketplace. You're commuting to work. You're dealing with your kids. And the orchestra plays, whatever you're doing, drop what you're doing and worship me. Uh, narcissism. You ever heard of that word? I think the king possessed that. He wasn't humble. And then what happens, I'm going to fast forward a little bit for you. He has this dream that scares him. And Daniel comes into him and interprets the dream. It's a warning. But when you're having success, success it's, it's, it's hard 
to listen to the warnings of God, the warnings of Christian people in your life. Hey, look, 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 everything's going fine. It's smooth. It's easy. Daniel 4, 27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. This is Daniel giving the warning to the king on the mountain of his success. He says, renounce your what? Your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be that then your prosperity will continue. See, in the dream, Daniel interprets it this way. He says, if you don't turn to God, you're going to grow these really long fingernails and you're going to need them because you're going to be like an ox in the field eating grass like an animal. You're going to lose your sense. You're going to lose your common sense. You're actually going to grow senile. I'm just warning you. Now, have you ever tried to warn somebody? Come on. you ever tried to warn somebody? You tell them, hey, hey, watch it. You're getting too close to the edge. Be careful. Oh, oh you may not want to date that guy. You know? You may, you, you, you may not want to take her home. You may not want to do that at all. You may not want to invest in that. You may not want to join with that person in that company, in that corporation. You, you, you may not want to have that particular person work on your house or your car. Come on. You try to warn somebody, and they're like, nah, I got this. I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. That's most, most 17-year-olds. But anyway, anyway, I, I, I know what I'm doing. But Daniel comes and says, listen, king, I care about you. And even though I worship a different God, remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace, and the king looked in and saw a fourth man, and he comes out and he recognizes that the God of Daniel, the God of Abraham, uh, excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that God was able to save them, and he actually, for a moment, starts worshiping that God. But then he changed. He went back to a place in his heart where he said, look, I'm okay. I don't need the God of Israel. I can take care of myself. And he made himself like God. Now, Daniel gives him this warning, verse 27, and unfortunately, the king does nothing about it at all. So let me give you some points this morning. We stumble into trouble when we get comfortable and complacent with our success. I have arrived. I got my nest egg. I've done this. I've got that. I've got, I've got a place to live. I got something to drive. Or I have enough money to pay for cult transportation. Or I can get an Uber or a Lyft. I mean, I'm, I'm doing okay. I got some food in the fridge. You know, I, I, I'm doing all right. That's success. And if we grow comfortable and complacent with our success, it's usually a warning. And I'll tell you what the warning is. We stop believing that it was God that got us where we are. Oh, it's my smarts. It's my hard work. You know, it's, it's who I know. I know people. Hey, I'm networked in, man. But look at Daniel 4.4. 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was enjoying a time of peace and prosperity in my kingdom and palace. I was taking it without a care in the world. I'm doing good. I don't need to listen to the warning of Daniel. I don't need to listen to the warning of God. And after Daniel has warned him, 12 months later, verse 30, 
Daniel 4, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he says, "Uh, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Not God's majesty. I did this all by myself. Don't anyone mess with me. Now, this is the opposite of being humble. This is called pride. Everybody knows that there's a letter right in the middle of pride. It's the letter I. Everybody knows there's a letter right in the middle of sin. It's the letter I. And someone said, well, there's no I in team, but I always say there is a me in team. And it could be all about you. It's all about me. Okay. Who else can it be? Anyways, (laughs) pride is the root of all sin, no matter what the sin is. Proverbs 16.5 says the Lord despises pride. You can be sure that the proud will be. By the way, there's a warning. There's a warning for all of us. See, grace is the power that we need to change. And here's an issue. Here's a big issue. God resists the, but gives grace to the humble. What do we need to change? Grace. The grace of God. The blessing of God. What happens to us, number two, is we don't pay attention to the warning signs. Now, again, I know there's people that you've warned. We talk to people all the time. People come to church here, and they've yet to give their life to Jesus. But, but I've got to tell you this. The last two weeks, this is so cool. Get ready. I mean, you should be roaring about this one. The last two weeks, 47 people have raised their hands to say yes to the Jesus who offers salvation. Yeah. You know what they were doing? Those 47 were heeding the warning. Or somebody else said, man, I don't need that. That Jesus stuff, I, 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 I don't, nothing to do with him. I don't need him. My life is kind of cool all by itself. And wait till they have a crisis. I hope they heed the warning then. Or wait till a medical condition hits them. Oh, my God. I don't have much time left. See, I, I've been in those conversations with people near the end of their life. And I'm thinking to myself, have you ever heard the gospel before? Have you ever heard it? How many times have you listened? How many times did you not heed the warning? You know the only regret I have when, 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 heard that when people come to Christ late in their life? The only regret is they tell me this. I should have done it sooner. I should have listened to the voice of God. I, I should have heard the voice of God. See, we don't pay attention to the warning signs when everything is smooth. And easy. We don't. I wrote down five things. They start with the letter C, and I thought, I wonder if I can help anybody when they're not actually hearing an audible voice from God or someone hasn't come and interpreted a dream that they had, like Daniel did for Nebuchadnezzar. Things that we could look at as warnings. I think the first one is conflict. When there's a lot of conflict going on, we could say this, yeah, why is everybody conflicting with me? Or we could say, what, what am I doing to create the conflict? Come on. Confusion. I just, there's so much ambiguity. I just, I just don't get it. Could that be a warning sign from God? There's chaos, comfortability. Hey, everything's cool right here. I'm just comfortable. Don't mess with me. 
Now, I know a story, true story, of a company that was doing really well. Uh, I know a couple of guys that were at the top of this company. They were doing really, really, really well. Matter of fact, they were doing so great, they stopped risking anymore. You know the most dangerous time in a church's life? When it has the most people and the most money. When you've got 10 people coming to church, you're out there screaming, hey, do we want to come to church? Come to church. <laughs> when you have enough people to make the church run and pay the bills, you, 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 you stop going to the highways and the byways. I'm just telling you, that's, you know, it's the business I'm in. I get it. Well, this particular company, they were doing so well. Everything was up and to the right. They stopped advertising as much. They started getting complacent because everybody was coming to them for orders. People were stopping in saying, how are you guys doing what you're doing? And they were living large, man. Everybody got new furniture. Everybody got big screens. Everybody got latest computers. Everybody got to go home early. And pretty soon, guess what was happening? Competitors were rising up. And they were aggressive. They were what we call hungry they said, we're going to get after it. We're going to get after it. And they did. And slowly, this company started to lose their pace, their place, their market share, and started to drop out. Why? They came, became comfortable and complacent. There are Christians, not in this service, not watching online, not in our cafe, drinking those good lattes over there with your feet up on the chair. I was over there. They had a couple guys with their feet up, relaxing. There are people who have grown complacent, and they stop risking. They stop sharing their faith. They stop praying as hard as they used to pray. They stop searching the scriptures for answers to their life. Oh, it's okay. I'm doing really, 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 really well. But I love, again, what Daniel said. I'm going to repeat this, Daniel 4, 27. Your majesty, be pleased to accept this advice. Can I give you this advice? Let this be advice today. Hey, renounce your sins. Your sin of apathy. Again, that's the next service. Your sin of complacency, comfortability, and do what's right. And make sure that you're taking care of those around you who are in need. That God would prosper you. The word renounce is the word uh, in the New Testament, repent. It's the word metanoia. Many of you know this. It means simply to change your mind, to start thinking differently, to do a 180. You're walking this direction, and you turn around towards God, and you say, God, I'm going to give you my life. And that's exactly what Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar to do, to be humble, to be humble, to be generous, to find a need and fill it. Now, when I talk about generosity, Lots of people get nervous because usually if you have a, a phrase about generosity, somebody's going to mention a word called money, and people get really nervous, especially in church. Oh, do you believe I went to church. They talked about money. We don't talk a lot about money here, but some of you need help with your money. So in not too uh, distant future, we're going to do Financial Peace University again because I just met with a couple. Oh, my God. They're paycheck to paycheck. And they make lots of money, paycheck to paycheck. They have bills up to their eyeballs. So if we can help them get out of debt, isn't that a good thing? Yeah. If we can help them 
cut up those little plastic cards called credit cards. And if we can teach people how to get on a pathway of honoring God with their finances, it's called tithing. And you know what I know? I don't look at the tithers in this church. I don't look at the list, so I don't get to see the list. But I know this for a fact. Not everybody is tithing. We have some people that go to LFC. They love the church. Praise the Lord. Woo! They put their kids in our kids' ministry. Yeah, it's great. Got new furniture in the kids' ministry. Great new paint. They didn't give a nickel last year. Hey, hey. Ah, really? Well, why? Ah, let me tell you why. You're not going to like this. And by the way, this is not you guys. It's next service. It's called pride. Pride with the eye in the middle says, this is mine. You know what I've realized really early in my life? Everything I have comes from the hand of the Lord. The strength I have to do what I do, the, the thoughts that I have, the wisdom that God has given me, the, the, the needs that we can meet and, and fill in the lives of others. So if you're not a tither, get started. Just say, here's 10%, Lord. I could never do it. Had a lady in our church, saw her a couple of weeks ago. Um, she was homeless. And she said, Pastor, I have a little bit of money coming in, and I keep hearing about giving to God, but I don't have a real shelter to live in or a house to live in. What should I do? I said, tithe. <gasps> she gasped for her. Now, some of you say, oh, I wouldn't have her tithe. By the way, she's in a really nice apartment now. She's got a car now. She's got a job now. Her son is actually doing some things, uh, doing some acting now, mm. making some money now. Ooh. And she said, thank you for challenging me back then that I would tithe. I think God has honored my giving to him with the blessings that have come. It's all about trust. Well, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't trusting and he wasn't filling the needs of the needy. Hey, by the way, I'm going to show you a little clip here. It's about two minutes long. It speaks for itself. So just take a look at this little video. I love the face of the boy with the grapes. <laughs> Look what I did. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't doing that. He wasn't feeding people that needed to be fed like we do on Monday nights here. He wasn't contributing to the Catholic charities like we do here, or the food bank like we do. He was missing it. You know what happens when you're on top of the mountain, number three? We put off doing what we know is right. 
Daniel 4.28 says something just remarkable to me. Twelve months later, a whole year. He's been warned and he goes a whole entire year and doesn't do anything. He procrastinates about what God is telling him to do. It reminds me of Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Yeah. So Daniel 4, 31 and 32, back to our story, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass. Now, some people believe that's seven years, and other scholars believe it's seven seasons. But whatever it was, it was a while of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. People engage in bizarre behavior when they're running from God. People get weird when they're running from God. But something happens. God begins to restore the mind of King Nebuchadnezzar. God begins to restore to him his influence, his leadership, his palace. And here's the steps of restoration that I think are important, and we see them in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Number one, look up to God. It was a change in perspective. Daniel 4.34 says, And at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, here's the I again, but at least it's a good I, I, I raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives how long? Forever. See, hey, Nebuchadnezzar started to realize his own mortality. It's not me that will live forever. It's God that will live forever. I just, just wonder if anybody here would say, um, you don't need to respond to me, but well, I need to lift my eyes to God. It's been a while. Kind of just doing my own thing. I, autopilot, just kind of got the cruise control happening. I'm, I'm okay. But boy, it's been a while since I lift my eyes to God and thank God for all he's done. Realize, number two, that God's greatness is there and start worshiping. Worship changes your heart. And not just singing a song, because you can sing a song and your heart can be thinking about lunch. <laughs> you could be singing a song and you're wondering, well, you know, about the greatest sports team or what's going on in life. Or, but the worship that I'm talking about here in this point is that we worship God from the depth of our soul. That God, we give you praise and we give you you thank. We, we, we get better when we replace pride with praise. So you can't be prideful when you praise God. Because now, now you're not saying, it's all about me and look what I've done. No, it's now, look at you, God. You're amazing. Look what you have done. I don't know if you do this, but I, I do this quite often, where I just start telling God how grateful I am, not only for what he's done, but the people he's placed in my life. And by the way, if you're married... If you're married, you should be praising God for your spouse. Dear Lord, thank you that they put up with me. I know I think I'm wonderful, Lord. I know I think I'm just magnificent, Lord. But you know, truth be told is, I can be a little rough to live with, God. So thank you for 
my spouse. Oh, by the way, can I encourage you to do this? Praise God in front of your spouse for your spouse. You grab their hand and you say, God, I thank you. See, I, I, I do this every once in a while, not every day, but every once in a while, I'll grab Debbie's hand and I'll say, God, thank you for Debbie. She's got to be married to me. <laughs> yeah. August 7, 43 years. Yeah. To my first wife. Yeah. 43 years. Oh, some of you, and some of you come to church here, you watch online, you go, oh, Pastor B, he's such a great guy. It's not true. I'm rough to live with. I put her through a lot of stuff in our years. And you know what? I need to thank God for, I thank God for our leadership in the church. I thank God for our school teachers who teach our kids and who teach my grandkids. I thank God for our military. I thank God for people that lead us and authority over us, even if I don't agree with all their policies and their plans or their personalities. I thank God for them. It'll change your pride. Because now the focus is on the God who provides for you, who gives you all that you have. I love what Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Look what I've done. Don't be like that. Huh? But if you've got to use a phrase that says, look what I've accomplished, say it this way. I've accomplished so much because of the hand of the Lord. Ah, I've been able to do so many great things. Look at the children that we have raised because of God's help, because of God's word, because of God's strength, because that God has answered our prayers. This is the God that's able to give you the ability to produce wealth so, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to the ancestors as it is today. And then verse 19, but I assure you of this, here's a warning. This is Moses giving us a warning now. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Hmm. Boy, if ever our country needed a couple of verses. huh? Success is dangerous, so be careful out there. There's a danger when you experience the blessing of God, too. You can say, look, look what I have. Or God gives you gifts, both natural and spiritual, and you put them on a shelf and you polish them. No, no, those gifts were meant to be used. Those gifts were meant to be used. I'm going to summarize real quick the life in this part of Nebuchadnezzar's life, this season, in these four points. God's kingdom will outlast everything I do. He says, this is the God who's going to be forever. God's approval matter more than all the others, the approval of everyone else. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was looking through to his constituents for, for approval. Hey, what's my approval rating, right? No, no, no. God's approval matters more. And then God's power is absolute, and God never makes any mistakes. Daniel 4.34 goes on to say, God's rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. Daniel 4.35, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. And then Daniel 4.35 and 37, Nebuchadnezzar says, he, 
referring to God, has the power to do whatever he pleases among the angels of heaven. This is a far cry from a guy walking on the rooftop saying, look at me. I'm amazing. Look what I built. Look what I've done. Now he says, no, 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 no. This is the God who does whatever he wants to do among the angels of heaven and with those who live on the earth. No one can stop him or challenge him. Isn't that good news? That's the kind of God I want to follow or even question what he does. And those who walk in pride, he's able to to humble. Mm. So be humble or get humbled. By the way, there's no, no passage in the Bible that says, pray to God and he'll make you humble. No, humility is a choice. Now, if you choose pride, then he'll say, I'll make you humble. But there's no verse that says, ask God that he'll make you humble. No, you choose to bow down to God. You choose to make yourself low. And then Daniel 4.36 says, when God restored my sanity, he also gave me back my honor and my kingdom, and all my leaders returned to me, and my kingdom became greater than ever. So now I what? Praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is always right and true and fair. By the way, here's the warning. Don't wait till God takes something away from you or until there's a crisis or a crash in your life. You praise God now. Praise him because he's always right and he's always true and he's always fair. And the last thing is number three, because some of you are going, if I don't get this down, you know, I won't make it. Tell others how God has saved and changed me. Because that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar does. He turns into an evangelist. He tried once after the fiery furnace, but he let it go. And now, and history records, at the end of his life, he's thanking God for all that God has done. And he's telling people how God restored his life. It's amazing. So a couple things to think about. Don't forget God. In the times of success, don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, boy, I'm something else. Because you and I know we're not. If we're anything, it's because the good Lord, he gives us wisdom and strength and power. All that we have come from him. And if you've yet to give your life to Jesus, I encourage you to do what 47 people did these last two weeks. They heeded a warning. You know what the warning is? Life is horrible without God. You think your life is good now? Can you imagine you gave your life to Christ? And someday, hate to tell you this, someday when you're 104 or 144 and you take your last breath, the most important thing will be that you said yes to Jesus while you were alive and while you had your brain about you. Come on. Give him your life. Give him your heart. And trust him in all things. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.